All right, let's open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 8, please. We'll be in Luke chapter 8, verse 26. And we're going to go ahead and read the passage all the way down to verse 37. <clears throat> please be aware I'm going to stop a little bit short of reading the whole story because the next time I come to this, uh, to this passage, I want to finish. I think there's a, an entirely other sermon to be preached at the end of it. Luke chapter 8 and verse 26. And we're preaching today a sermon called Curing Spiritual Madness. Curing Spiritual Madness. The Bible says, And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. But when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him. That phrase caught me this week. A lot of people try to get out of their spiritual trouble and just can't make it. It keeps catching you and bringing you back, catching you, bringing you back. For oft times it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? He said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there and heard of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were all afraid. They also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. So if I can, ask you to bow your heads. Let's pray together. Father, as we've read this passage now, we pray that the Holy Spirit would open it to us. Lord, help us to see this with spiritual eyes, to hear the sermon today with spiritual ears. I pray, Lord, as you taught us, that you would bind that strong man and not us let, uh, let us not be distracted by anything or anyone, but hear only from you. Lord, tune our hearts. Tune us today so that we hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now this man that we've read about that was filled with devils and helped by Jesus, we often refer to him as the maniac of Gadara. A maniac is a, a madman. He's a lunatic. More a, ba a more basic definition is someone who is unmanageable. 
Just think about that. He is unmanageable. No matter what you say, no matter what rules you give, no matter how many times you say, sit down, be quiet. They just won't listen. That's a maniac. This man was so taken over by devils, he could do nothing to get himself out of the mess he was in. Can I just say one thing to you as we lead into this sermon? You don't get to this stage overnight. You don't have a legion of devils attack you, overtake you, possess you overnight. It it slowly builds. And I believe the reason Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, has included this story in the Bible is to give us one main thought this morning, and that is this. No matter how bad your spiritual problem is, Jesus can solve it. I mean, this is the worst of the worst case scenario, right? It doesn't get much worse than this. A legion of devils in you, that's bad. But no matter how bad your spiritual condition is, it's no match for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the problem, I think, with reading such a story, if you're like me, I've read this many times, and and for several years, I felt a bit of a disconnect. I thought, this is great, and Jesus is far above all principalities and powers, and and amen, I I agree with that. But I felt a disconnect. I thought, well, I've never really gone through this. You know, I I do better to connect with situations like uh, Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law with a great fever. I've had fevers. Right? Uh, Jesus he- healed paralyzed people and blind people and lepers. You know, he'd, cast, he'd cleanse the leper. Those are physical problems. I haven't had all of those, but I can relate. I've been sick, so I can relate. I feel a connection there. But as soon as we read stories like this, you might read it and go, this is just not me. I've never been in a case in my life where I am this bad off. And therefore, we tend to just skip over it kind of quickly and say, well, this is great, but there's really not a lot for me to learn from this passage. And it's based on that thought that I'd like to shorten the gap today and and show you that there is a connection. And, And I want to show you how we should approach this case of spiritual madness and how we can get to the cure for it. So three things I want to say. Number one, you need to accept the situation. I'm going to explain that further. You need to accept that there is a spiritual battle going on all around you and even in you. You need to realize that what Paul said is always true every day. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, the rulers of the darkness of this world, whether you know it or not, there is a spiritual battle and you are the target of the enemy. Be sober, be vigilant, Peter said, for your adversary the devil walketh about seeking whom he may devour as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And friend, you look like lunch to him. You need to accept the fact that the spiritual battle is real. You realize everything we read about in the passage was a physical manifestation, right? He wear no clothes. Where did he live? Among the tombs, right? He, He had chains and fetters. He broke. Those are physical manifestations. So our rational scientific mind says physical manifestation means it was a physical problem. Physical problems arose, those were just the effects of a spiritual cause. 
I think we might be surprised to find out many of the issues in our life that we struggle with are not physical, mental, and emotional, but rather spiritually based. The problem, the root problem that you really need to cure is a spiritual problem. What we've read in this passage is an extreme case. Amen? It is an extreme case. Maybe your case is not that bad. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say it is not that bad. You all have your clothes on. Thank God. <laughs> Amen. So at least we're, we're, we're in a good place there. So I want you to do something with me. Let's start again. Look at verse 27. And I'm not going to read the verses again. I just want you to let your eyes move down the passage with me. Verse 27, you look at the verse, I'm going to tell you my observation here. You're not naked. You're not naked. Your case is not this extreme. You're not naked, granted. But maybe, maybe you're just immodest, vain, and indecent in the way you dress. Your case isn't this bad, but maybe... Maybe you just have a mild version of it. You're not living in a graveyard. I accept that. But maybe you like to hang out in dark places. Places you shouldn't be hanging out. Verse 28. You don't cry out in fear and torment when you're faced with a situation you don't like. When bad things happen, you don't just completely lose it. Maybe you do. But maybe not this bad. What you might do is maybe you panic. You get stressed out. And you fall into a state of anxiety instead of dealing with the pressures of life in a biblical and godly manner. Say, I'm not this guy. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe you're just the milder version of it. Verse 28. You're not offended. You are not offended at the presence of Jesus. Not like this guy. But maybe you don't like coming to a place where the Lord wants to deal with you directly, personally, and intimately. Where, where Jesus can get really close and actually touch your heart. Yeah, you're not this guy. But you're getting there. Verse 29. Granted, okay, your case isn't this bad. You don't break through the chains and fetters that people wrap around you. Bear in mind, people chained him up to protect him from himself and to protect the others. This was for the, the good of society and for this man. Say, I'm not that guy. Nobody has to chain me up. Okay, maybe you're not, but maybe you're just rebellious. And you don't like anyone trying to hold you back in any way. It's not actual chains we're putting on you. Maybe you just don't like the rules and boundaries that people are putting in your life. Verse 29, okay, granted, perhaps you don't run off into the wilderness to get away from people. Or maybe you do. Some people do. But, but the people that are trying to help him, he runs away from them. Okay, granted, maybe you do not do the same as this man. You're not an extreme case, but maybe you pull away from the people that care about you the most 
and you retreat into a pile of self-pity instead of appreciating all the people that God has put around you to help you. Verse 30, maybe you don't have a legion of devils dwelling in you. You understand in this day in history, at this time in history, a legion consisted of plus minus 6,000 soldiers. In a Roman legion, 6,000. That's potentially how many devils, plus minus, this man had. 6,000. By the way, spiritual problems start small and they grow. We know this from the mouth of Jesus a devil can be in, a devil can go out. He walks through dry places seeking rest. He doesn't find it. He says, I'll go back to my original home. And what does he do? He brings seven other spirits with him, worse than himself, and that man ends up worse than the beginning. The spiritual problem, when it is not dealt with correctly, it gets worse and worse until one day somebody says, what's your name? You don't even know who you are anymore. All you can just say is, Legion. You can't think clearly anymore. There's 6,000 voices banging around in your head. You say, I'm not this bad. Granted, you're not. Maybe you don't have a legion, but maybe you got a few. Verse 31. Perhaps this morning you do not negotiate with the Lord for a lesser punishment. That's what the devils did. They're negotiating. Okay, yes, we know that ultimately you will torment us. Can we just cut a deal? Just don't send us into the deep. We'll talk about this more later on. They tried to negotiate. Maybe you're not doing that. Maybe you're not saying to Jesus, I, I, I'm, I know I'm sinning. I don't want to stop. Can you just punish me a little bit? <laughs> okay, that, that sounds silly, right? You wouldn't say that. Maybe not, but maybe instead what you do is you fail to completely submit to the will of God. You have a, a milder form of negotiation and what you say is, not my will, but just a little bit of yours be done. And you negotiate. Verse 33, granted you are not violent to the point of killing other people, and causing bodily harm to others and to yourself. I, I hope not. But maybe you have a nasty temper. And when somebody says or does something wrong, it sets you off and you become one of the most difficult people to deal with. You see, you say, I, I, I feel a disconnect. Yes, maybe so, because your case is not this extreme. But you're getting there. And where the cure for this spiritual madness starts with you saying, I am showing the early symptoms of this mania. And if I don't deal with it now, I'm going to lose it. Can I just point something else out that might be a little uncomfortable, but I hope will help you? Look at just oh, one page, Luke 9, verse 37. These milder symptoms that I've tried to point out to you, they don't start when you're in your 30s. They can. They don't wait till you, until you turn 40 or 50. These milder symptoms can start at a very young age. Moms and dads, listen carefully here. 
You need to be very aware of the spiritual atmosphere in your home. Be aware of the music, the TV, the friends that you allow into the lives of your children. Be very aware of it. You say, well, we're just going with the flow. This is how the rest of society does. Be very careful with this. The prince of the power of the air, the God of this world, the Bible calls the devil, the God of this world, he has set up the world system to slowly, he plays the long game, slowly suck you in to make you think, no, no, this isn't that bad. And slowly, just one devil at a time. It can start when they're young. Say, oh, Brother Mike, come on, now you're scaring me. Luke 9, verse 37, It came to pass that on the next day when they were come down from the hill, much people met him. Behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him, and suddenly he crieth out. And it teareth him that he foameth again. And bruising him hardly departeth from him. In another gospel, he throws him into the water and into the fire. That little boy was unmanageable. Remember the definition of maniac? Unmanageable. You say he's just a boy. Amen. Okay, some, you know, kids are rowdy. They have imaginations. Part of this is just growing up. But when mom and dad says, Buti sissi, enough then that child should be able, the Bible says, to behave himself, quiet himself, and say, okay, enough, and listen to mom and dad. This rebellious nature that you let slide because you're afraid to offend that little one, maybe he won't like you when he gets older, you are setting him up for spiritual disaster. It can start at a very young age. The devil has all the time in the world. It doesn't bother him at all if it takes him 30, 40 years to destroy you. Starts mild, can start young. But let's at least acknowledge this. The spiritual madness that we read about is a real thing and it can be a part of your life. It can be affecting you. You might be infected, but just with a mild version. You know, we've recently gone through all of this COVID, can I say stuff? I don't know what else to call it. Can we at least say this this morning? I know there's lots of opinions about COVID and about how to treat it and vaccines, and I don't want to get into all of that, especially the politics of it. Can we at least agree on this, that COVID was a real thing? And, and, and people did suffer. Some passed away as a result of COVID. Can we at least acknowledge that? I, I'm not happy with how the world reacted to it. I'm not happy about the lockdowns and the masks and the vaccine. Leave all that aside, what we can say is COVID was a real thing. And to pretend that it wasn't is dangerous. I'm not saying that all the measures that were taken were good, but something needed to be done. It was a real thing. Guys, if, if COVID was a real thing, it was around for what, just a, some months? This spiritual battle has been going on for millennia. How can we say it's not a real thing? It's an issue. If you don't believe me, you believe it from Jesus. That's why these stories are in the Bible. Back in Luke chapter 8, look at verse 35. The second thing, first of all, we need to accept that it was real. Now, just like people squabble and argue about the right way to react to COVID and what steps to take to prevent it and cure it and solve it and all of that, same thing with the spiritual world. People have different ideas about how it operates and what do you do about it 
I'm going to show you, I believe, the best way to approach the issue. Number one, you have to accept that it's there. Number two, you need to act. So accept it and then act on the situation. If you just sit there doing nothing, you will be overcome by it. Let's take a look at what, what are we trying to get to? What's the overall goal? Verse 35, they, then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed and in his right mind. You know where the devil's going to try to attack you? He's going to try to attack the way you think and the way you feel, your, your heart and your mind. That guy was sitting there clothed and in his right mind, finally able to think clearly. That's the goal. The goal is to get to the position where you willingly sit at the feet of Jesus, hearing his words, thinking about it so that you can make a choice to do it so that you can act on it that's the end goal do you know how hard it is listen folks do you know how hard it is to get people to sit down long enough to hear the words of Christ do you know how difficult that is do you have any idea how difficult it is to get somebody to show up for church every week You say, oh, well, that's just life. Oh, is it? Are, are we ignoring the first premise that the, that the spiritual battle is not there? That's part of the battle. If the devil can keep you from sitting at the feet of Jesus, okay, maybe you're not extreme case. The devil doesn't care how it gets done as long as you're not there listening to what he says. Then he's winning. Then you're going the wrong direction in life. That's the goal. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, hearing His words. They say an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. How do we prevent these spiritual problems? We sit at the feet of Jesus and we say, teach me. Speak to me. Show me what I need to change. Lord, pull down the strongholds cast down the imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. God never said, sit down, look at your life and figure out what's wrong and then a way to fix it. You're just going to keep repeating the problems. Sit down and say, God, my life's a mess, now show me each part of it, each part of it. Guys, this guy was so far gone, he could not think clear. He couldn't pull himself out of the pit he was in. So Jesus had to show up, cast the devils out, so that he could sit and listen with a clear mind. How many times have you sat in church and your mind wandered and you got distracted and uh, here's the Bible getting preached, the Word of God getting preached, and your mind just wanders off and, and one little thought jumps in and then it just jumps to there and, and Fowls of the air just looking for seeds. Just trying to grab this little thought and that little thought. Spiritual battle's a real thing. It's a real thing. Now, this man could not act on it. He couldn't do anything about it. That's why Jesus had to step in, cast the legion out, so that he could start preventing the next problem. Now, you, if you have a milder case, here's what you can do. You can willingly go sit at the feet of Jesus and say, teach me. Show me where I'm getting this wrong. Let's get this straightened out. 
what would you rather do? Catch a disease in its late stages or its early stages? Early stage. So let's catch it now. Let me sit at the feet of Jesus' book, hear what he has to say, and, and maybe he can diagnose the problem and go, hey, it's not extreme, but you've got a mild case of spiritual madness. And you can fix it now. Say, so how do I act on it? Let me tell you what not to do. Stop negotiating. If the doctor says, listen, we found this disease in you, and if you don't treat it now, it's going to get bad. It's going to get out of hand. Do you, and the doctor says, here's the treatments you need. One per week, two per week, whatever it is. Do, do you negotiate with the doctor? And say, okay, doc, listen, I'll come in once every third week. That, that's, that's, that's the disease. This is the cure. You need to fall in line. With a doctor, you might, you might get a second opinion. Do you really want to get a second opinion from Jesus? <laughs> I think his opinion's good enough. You don't need a second opinion. Don't negotiate. These devils, here they come up with a plan. Uh, Jesus, don't send us into the deep. Send us into the pigs. Have you ever wondered why Jesus answered their prayer? Have you ever wondered that? <laughs> Don't send us into the deep. Why? Because there, there are no bodies that the devils want to inhabit in that water. They, they want to inhabit some land-based animal so that they can move from that animal to the human being. There are pig farmers that they can get near, see? They want to stay close to the people. Don't send us into the deep, especially don't don't send us there and command us to stay there. We'll never get back to the people. So in their mind, put us in the pigs. Surely that's a good compromise. We'll stay in the pigs, Jesus. Don't worry. You're a Jew. You think they're unclean. That's fine. You know what Jesus says? Yeah, go ahead. Get, you can go in the pigs. Because Jesus knows when they get in the pigs, the pigs will commit hogicide and go right into the lake. And you know what happened to the devils? They ended up in the deep anyway. <laughs> That's what God does with our plans. That's what God does with the devil's plans. The devil constantly tries to outthink the Lord, and the Lord takes the devil's plans and puts it right on its head and says, <laughs> that didn't work, did it? <laughs> right? That's how God does it. The devil goes to the Lord. Let me take everything Job has. He'll curse you to your face. <laughs> Go ahead. Try your plan. He takes it all, ten kids gone in one day. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Satan shows up before the Lord again. The Lord says, <laughs> Satan, see my servant Job? Your plan didn't work, did it? He says, skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath shall he give for his life. You let me touch his flesh, he'll curse you to your face. Go ahead, but you can't kill him. Devil comes down, touches him, boils head to foot. Job's wife comes in. Job, just curse God and die. Job looked her square in the eye and said, Woman, you speak as one of the foolish women. Shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall we not also receive evil? Means with God, it doesn't always have to be a good day. We praise God on the bad days also and, and in so doing, the devil's plan got turned right upside down. Here are these devils. Satan enters into Judas. Sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. There he is hanging on the cross. The devil says, I got him now. Look at this. I got into one of his followers, the treasurer. I got into the treasurer. I got the money man. 
and I sold him out. Ah, I got him. There he is on the cross. And Jesus said, okay. If you read the book of Isaiah, you find out what happened. While Jesus is up there in Isaiah chapter 50, he's looking around for his spiritual enemies. And he says, he that is against me, let him come near. Let's talk. Jesus actually draws him in and says, you think you got me? You think you got me? Watch this. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. He gives up the ghost and he dies. And those devils are rejoicing. (laughs) We got him. We took him down. The unique, only begotten Son of God. Ah, for who? For who? Ah, ha, ha. They really think they've done something great. And three days later, (laughs) three days later, that ground begins to tremble and those angels come down and roll the stone away. And the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, Jesus triumphed over them in it. He, he won that battle and then, and then said, you thought you won? You, you, you thought you took me down? Listen, the plan was that I go down out of love for these lost sinners so that I could rise back up with victory over all of their sins. You didn't just take me down so that I could be resurrected. Now you have made a way for salvation for all these people. So thanks for being part of the plan. <laughs> They didn't realize it. They were fulfilling dozens of prophecies from the Old Testament. Listen, you can negotiate all you want and think, well, I got this smart plan and I'll just do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and piece my spiritual life together the way I feel comfortable, the way that I want to do it, and it's never going to work out. It's going to end up right on its head. How many of you know this verse? Resist the devil and he will what? Oh, you do. You know the verse. You know where it's at? It's at James 4, verse 7. Can anybody start the verse for me? That's the last half of the verse. Anybody know the first part? There we are. That verse starts, it says, resist the devil and he will flee. Amen. Here's how the verse starts. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Prevention, better than cure. Here's what you do. You go to God completely and submit. And say, God, no more negotiating. All of me belongs to you. No more half in, half out. The half that's out, listen, the half that's out, the devil has access to. You need to be completely yielded to the Holy Spirit. Every part. No more negotiating. No more lukewarmness. The Bible says bringing into captivity every thought. Not 90%, not 95%. Every thought. What do you think about marriage? What do you think about family? What do you think about church? What do you think about tithing, about money, about jobs, about dating, about exercise, about pets, about hobbies? What do you think about television and movies? What do you think? Every thought. This is how we not only cure, but prevent spiritual madness. You must act on it. Take these things captive. Bring them to Christ and say, now teach me. Here I am sitting at your feet. Teach me. And then lastly, I want to say this. We we must accept it. We must act on it. But something else we learn in the passage, many people avoid the situation. 
I'm recommending accept it and then act on it, but many people avoid it. Look at what happened here with the townspeople. In verse 35, they went out, they saw the man sitting, clothed in his right mind. Verse 36, they also which saw it told them by what means he was possessed of the devil, was healed, but devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country, the Gadarenes, verse 37, round about, besought him to depart from them. For they were taken with great fear. The townspeople did not know what to do with this fantastically powerful man, Jesus. Rather than ask more questions and get to know him better, they said, we don't understand you. You're, you're, you're strange. You're, you're, you're scared. Go away. Let me just avoid looking into this any further. Perhaps they thought this. If there's a man who can change another human being that much, that quickly. If he has that much power to change people, what if he changes us? A lot of them probably liked their life to a certain extent. They got family, kids, they got pigs, pig farmers. Why the Jews had pig farms, I don't know, but there you go. But they probably liked the way their lives were. So rather than get closer to Jesus, they'd just rather avoid Him. Let me point out a couple things about this passage. Verse 28, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before Him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with Thee? Thou, Jesus, Thou Son of Son of God, most high, I beseech thee, torment me not. Fear and torment. Would, would you agree this is the extreme version of fear and torment has gripped this man? Deathly afraid of Jesus. But verse 37, verse 37, right in the middle, for they were taken with what? Mild aversion. Okay, the townspeople didn't go, ah! They didn't cry out like, like the maniac. But what they, what they did was say, oh, wait a minute, we've never heard or seen anything like this. Okay, this is, whoa. Jesus, what are you doing to people? That's a drastic change. Please don't come this way trying to change me. Go away. Can I point something else out about the passage? Those people lost a lot of money that day. You ever thought about that? If, if there are 6,000 devils in one man, and there were actually two maniacs there. If you read in Matthew's Gospel, there were two of them. That you, you're talking potentially 12,000 pigs died. <laughs> that's a lot of money. Even if it's just 6,000, that's a lot of money that has just jumped into the lake. They're looking at Jesus going, okay, you make massive changes, and it hurts our pocketbook. We don't want to deal with this. Just go away. Go away. We don't want to hear anything anymore. And they took Jesus for the enemy instead of the answer. King Ahab was a wicked king. You know what he called the prophet Elijah? Elijah shut the rain off for three and a half years. After three and a half years, Elijah showed up in the king's court, and Ahab looked at him and said, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? 
He called Elijah the troubler of Israel. The reason there was a drought and a famine was because of Ahab's wickedness. But Ahab blamed Elijah and said, you're the one troubling Israel. Elijah went up against the 450 prophets of Baal, took them down. Ahab saw it. You know what he did? He went home. Listen, listen, men, listen. He went home and told his wife, Jezebel. And said, honey, you'll never believe what I saw today. The man of God stood up and he called fire down from heaven and there was water all around and my prophets were trying to do it and couldn't do it. And that fire fell and I'm telling you, Jehovah, he's the real God, honey. You should have seen it. And Jezebel said, he killed our prophets? God do so to me and more also if he isn't dead like the, one of them, like the rest of them. And Jezebel took off trying to attack Elijah. You know what Ahab did, men? Ahab did nothing. He knew deep down Elijah was the right one. He knew Elijah had the right God. But, Elijah, but Ahab just didn't have the backbone to act on what he knew. So rather, you know what we hear about Ahab doing? Nothing. He avoided the situation. Okay, honey. Yes, dear. Do whatever you want, dear. Kill the <laughs> prophets, dear. It's fine. Gentlemen, you might want to just man up and say, this is a real situation. I'm going to act on it and protect my family like a real man instead of letting everybody in my house do whatever they want. Amen, church. <laughs> amen. You don't have to be scared to say amen. You don't have to avoid that. That's just truth. Here comes David. He kills Goliath. Takes down that three-meter-tall man. And as David is coming back from the battle, the Israelites, they're having a big ticker-tape parade. And they're lying in the streets, and they're singing their songs, and they're dancing. And Saul's the king, but Saul, who was the tallest man in Israel, didn't dare step up against Goliath. It was this little runt of a man, David, that comes in with a stone and sling and says, how dare this Philistine take on our God? We'll take him down in the name of the Lord. And he takes him down. And as he's coming back to town, the people are singing and dancing. Saul is slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Saul is slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Man, that place is a... They're, they're, just, they're just a moving and they're praising God and they're honoring to whom honor is due. And Saul gets jealous. Says, hey, wait a minute. They're, they're honoring David more than me. You know the Bible says, you know what happens? An evil spirit from the Lord. This is a punishment. An evil spirit comes down and starts to trouble Saul. And he has a temper issue. He grabs that javelin. And as soon as he gets David alone in the room, throwing that dart at him. Now you might just chuck insults at people, but he threw an actual javelin. And it sticks in the wall. The Bible says Saul was afraid of David. Did you know that? He was afraid of David. He said, this man could actually fix the nation. This man could actually run things the way it should be run. But if this man takes over, I won't get to make any more decisions for myself. So rather throw arrows at it, rather criticize it, rather avoid it. Over and over again, Saul would come to David and go, Oh, David, I know you're the right one. Oh, David, I'm so sorry. 
and then something else would happen. And Saul would say, but I don't want to give up. And he'd throw another javelin. And you know what a lot of folks do? They just won't accept that they need help curing their spiritual madness. So they keep running. They keep running from the people that want to help them. They keep running from this opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus and get instructed on how to cure and prevent their spiritual madness. Today, the best thing you can do is just accept it, act on it, stop avoiding it. Stop avoiding it. Elijah is not your enemy, David's not the enemy. The pastor is not your enemy. The church isn't your enemy. These brothers and sisters in Christ, we're here to help each other, to bear one another's burdens. By all means, let's not avoid it. Let's lean into it. Guys, this is right now is your chance to act on it. So let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Don't push Jesus away any longer. The Bible says, submit yourselves therefore to God. All of you. All of you. Stop holding back. Stop negotiating. God, I'll give you this week, but next week I'm gone. God, I'll do this for you, but not, not this other thing. Stop it. Give the whole thing to Him today. The spiritual battle is going on right now. The fowls of the air are circling, ready to catch the seed out of your heart. That's not me trying to scare you. That's what Jesus said. Moms and dads, your kids may not be old enough to understand it, but it's up to you to protect that home spiritually. If God has touched your heart this morning, put his finger on something that needs to be dealt with, I can almost promise you what the devil would do. The devil doesn't mind you hearing it as long as you don't act on it. That's what he wants to stop. You can sit here and listen all you want. Just don't do anything about it. Accept it. Act on it. That's it. Every thought. Present your body a living sacrifice. Wholly acceptable unto God. Bring the whole thing. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've never been born again. The Bible tells us that the God of this world blinds the minds of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The devil just wants you to stay lost. 
Some light has shined today. If you caught a glimpse of that, act on it. Do something about it. Say, I'm not extreme. I'm not that, I'm not that bad. Okay, maybe you got a mild case. You caught it early. You, you caught it early. Now, if you walk away without doing anything, it's going to get worse. Some are still praying. Give them a moment. You folks, take your time. We're in no rush. doesn't matter how bad your spiritual condition is Jesus can fix it it doesn't matter how far gone you are it doesn't matter how extreme it doesn't matter how long you've been in this in this case Jesus Christ can fix it but you're gonna have to choose to sit at his feet Hear His Word and do it. Father, we come to You acknowledging and accepting that this spiritual battle is real. And Father, we also want to acknowledge that we cannot fight it by ourselves. This, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Lord, help us today. We're, we're asking You, dress us in that spiritual armor, the whole armor of God. Father, perhaps if somebody here is not saved, give them that, that victory, that eternal victory today. Open their eyes, Lord. And help us, Father, every day to put ourselves there at the feet of Jesus. Lord, we're not going to fear that enemy. We're just going to be vigilant. Lord, we want to submit completely. Help us. Father, get us home safely. Help us to do something with what we've heard. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.